Welcome back to Kids These Days. I'm Rachel Poiskey here with my friend, Tara Reynolds. Hello. Hey. Hey. Hey, so uh, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so we're talking about something that I'm really excited to share and yeah. just have a discussion with you about, but I have a question first. Okay. You ready for the question? Hit me. It's going to set the stage. Got okay. it. Ready. So I'm really interested to know, when you were younger, like when you were a kid, yeah. was there anything that you did just for the sake of being different? Like, did you wear something weird? Did you start saying, like, talking in a weird way? Develop an accent. Just, yeah, it's like you just just for fun. Yeah. Um, okay, let me think. Y- yes, I can think of something in college. For some reason, I just decided one day that I was going to um, do, I was going to start wearing ties, like, as a fashion statement. Like around your neckties? Yeah, like like a real like, like a necktie. Serious ties. I mean, it was like a slight <laughs> fashion. Well, it was like a blip on the map fashion moment. Like maybe like such a blip people, that I didn't know that yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> like maybe people wore it for one day, but I just decided to prolong it. Oh. And so I. So had, you were the girl that wore the ties. I wore ties. I had two or three. Actually, did you just rotate? I'm them? really embarrassed about this now. <laughs> I really wish I hadn't How, said that out loud. Would you? Okay, so I'm. How would you wear it? Like, with a, what outfit would you wear it with? I, okay, uh, like a button-down shirt. Okay. Just like men. Would you tuck it around? Like, would you do yeah. it like a tie under the collar? Exactly like. Was it loose, or did you, like, tighten it to the neck? Um, That's a good question. I, you know, I can't really remember. I mean, it wasn't, like, um, loose, loose. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was pretty it was pretty legit tight. <laughs> <It's> so strange. <laughs> and I don't know what I would wear it with. Maybe— Maybe I wore it with like a khaki or pants khaki? or something. So you basically it was dressed full up on like, like a man. Jim from the office is what you looked like. Jim from the office. That is exactly <laughs> khaki pants, white polo yeah, shirt, that's button so down, weird, with right? The tie. <laughs> wow. It's okay. I hope I can never find a picture of that. I was going to say, I really want to find a picture of that. Can we never speak of this again? <laughs> yeah, except you just told all of our <laughs> listeners. So they, they can hold you to it. Great. I really hope people start. At, like just leaving ties around for you to find, just to haunt you. I'm gonna wear them. Oh, that's awesome! I'm gonna start it. That's great. So, what about you? Did you ever do anything? Just I'm gonna do this and be totally different from everybody and that Rachel, kind of thing. I was so no. I was I was such a rule follower. I literally Tara. I did I didn't break any rules, whether they were my parents' rules or fashion rules or normal rules. I just I I wasn't a very daring kid. I just didn't really. <laughs> Didn't really get I mean, out there. You basically were every parent's dream, but <laughs> yeah, kind of. But I had no. I was pretty vanilla with all of. I I did wear like I I had a good fashion sense, but it was like I never started any trends. You never went no. out on your own. I was always like wait for it to see if it was gonna stick, and then I would yeah. take the plunge. Except now I look at pictures and I'm like, that was why did I ever? Why did I ever wear that? I wouldn't exactly say my tie thing was fashion forward. It was just fashion <laughs> weird. That's fair. Yeah, but I did have a friend. In high, in, not in high school, sorry, in college for, that worked at camp yeah. with me. I actually met him at camp, but it was so funny because he came to camp and for the sake, just for the sake of being different, decided he was going to speak in a British accent, but he's not British. 
he's American. So he spoke the whole time? Yes, and that's how he got his camp name. So I worked at Pine Cove, and yeah. his camp name was something that had to do with Shakespeare. It wasn't Shakespeare, but it was like they put up, it was like a pun. Yeah. But they didn't, people didn't know for like three days. They finally caught him one day. We're like, wait, did you just switch accents? And he was like, no. <laughs> so did, I he did, con- not. <laughs> did he continue it the whole summer? No, I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't really remember. It's been a while, but like, it was just so funny. Cause, that is so funny. Yeah, because we all thought, oh yeah, this guy. He's that takes guts. Because I mean, if you slip up, right? Yeah. And so you just, uh, but I don't know. It was crazy. It was <laughs> crazy. funny. So he he did that. But anyways, so I but I was so I have to vicariously live through him to do something cool like that because I never did. I was yeah. pretty boring. But well, it's but we always have your tie story. Yeah. We always, always have the, the Rachel and the, the tie. tie story. <laughs> Rachel and the tie. Uh but yes, okay, so I have a word for the week. You okay. ready for it? Yep. It's so it's really the 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 teens are using it more. Like okay. The, some of the middle and high schoolers. It's a okay. Little, it's a little middle high school the, word more for the week. Hip. I don't know if your elementary kids kiddos will know it. But I don't know. What is it? It's, so it's peep. Peep. Like yes. the little marshmallow things that you eat at Easter? No, and those are also disgusting. Have you ever put what? a peep in the microwave? No. You should try that. It's really fun. I love peeps. You know, I love them, but it's one of those things where too much it, you can have too much of a good thing. Because remember, yeah, like too much sugar. Used to, <laughs> peeps used to only be at Easter. You know, so it was like an Easter thing. But oh, then but now it kind of bugged me because they started doing Halloween peeps. Yeah. Christmas peeps. Yeah, no. No. You can't. Halloween t- peeps. I think it water. I just said that. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> like ghosts. Ghosts. Like little ghost peeps. Yeah. Those are kind of funny looking, though. They are, but it makes peeps not as special. That's true. You know? That's so, true. Okay, so you're not That's talking fair. about that peep. No, are you I'm talking, talking about, about like my peeps? Is that the other word? <laughs> For those of you who can't see us, because none of you can, I'm giving Rachel such a look right now because she just went peeps and like put her hand up in the air. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about like my peeps, like my people. Okay, so what is it? It's actually a verb in this context. It's peep, like to look. Like you know how like if you peep, you're take looking. a peep. You, like take a peep, but you say it like hey, hey man, like go peep at my gram. Like gram is short for Instagram. Yeah, so it's like take a look at. Like take a look at my Instagram, which I don't know why you don't just say that. Like, hey, right. go look at my Instagram. It's the, it's the same as saying look. It's like the same syllables, like same amount of syllables. Yeah, look, peep. But I don't know. It's like a thing. Yeah, I've that, been noticing. You know, it's that's where this is a parent danger zone because you're going to hear them. Oh say yeah, no, peep. you should never use it. Yeah, you're going to hear them <laughs> say peep, and you're going to go, oh my peeps, not the same. No. So so at least you know what they're talking about. But I would encourage you don't don't just don't. Don't use it. No, don't Unless say. you really enjoy the, the corny awkwardness. Like right. if you're like a dad joke guy or a, yeah. or a, like corny mom, yeah. then. Don't say, take a peep at my Facebook account. Yeah, because they won't know. Yeah. And they don't a, have Facebook. They don't have Facebook. <laughs> take a peep at my book account. Hey, go peep not, at my book. <laughs> go peep at my book. Not no, good. No, that's not cool. But at least you know now what, what, it what is. peep is. So yeah. it's fun, short new thing. Okay, got it. Yeah. So, a little slang for you. Okay, good. Yep. So, uh what are we talking about today? You made me say something yes. where I went out on a ledge and was different. Yes. So, what what's the theme? Okay, so today we're talking about it's kind of a fancy word, but it's pretty much we're talking about what when you're a teenager, which usually happens in middle adolescence, 13, 14, 15, 
is in the process of kind of distancing themselves from you and your family unit. Yeah. And it's a term called developmental individuation. Yep. So individuating, uh, which I think you've probably heard this term before. Yes. And it, it's it's basically just what it looks like when you're having those – like when you're kind of starting to butt heads with your mm-hmm. teenager because they want to just be different, kind of like when you wore your ties. Yeah. <laughs> just going out there. and be different. And so some of the ways that teenagers start to individuate or what individuating looks like is they're disconnecting from maybe you, maybe they were hanging out in the family room a whole lot. Now yeah. they like being in their room or they like being out with friends more. Uh Launching out is a term that they're just kind of being a little bit more adventurous Mm -hmm. than they maybe were before just because they want to try to be maybe a different person. They want to kind of fit in with a different group. Um, Getting more independent, and that's just some of the ways that you might have heard the term individuation. Yeah. Uh, And they sound inviting because it's like, oh, that's great. We want our kids to become their own person. Of course, I think every parent would probably say that. You want your kid to grow into a healthy adult that is their own person, but it's the process gets difficult. And for those of you who have younger kiddos, um, I know this is something I learned recently. A lot of my friends are starting to have kids, and so they've got babies. And um, some of them are kind of growing into toddlers. I have nieces as well. Mm. And that first stage, they call it actually first adolescence. Yeah. And you probably know this because you're like, like me do it. Yeah, they're like me. No, and they like <laughs> that's when they start saying no and me and mine and like no, mommy, I do. Yeah, and things like that. It's called first adolescence, and it's super cute. By it the is way. cute, but it's like that's. A, I know that for some of my mom friends, they're like that's that phase was hard, and so imagine that when you have littles, imagine that times like. A million. <laughs> so there's basically two phases of individuation. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, they so that happens again in adolescence, the second adolescence, when they start to move out, kind of, and that doesn't mean move out of the house per yeah. se. But I kind of like the way that um, there's an article I found, and it's focused on the family, and they kind of describe um, individuation in this way of like a journey and how it's a slow way that they're moving out. It's like it doesn't mm. happen when you pack them up and take them to college. It's happening yeah. starting as early as, you know, 12 or 13, yeah. and it continues on as they get older. And so today I just want to talk about and discuss with you and actually get some of your advice because you've got a high schooler now yep. about how what are some ways that tools parents can use to be proactive before kids, you know, enter this place, mm-hmm. and then how to continue parenting well and, and loving them spiritually and emotionally um, during this time. And it's it kind of goes a little bit with what we talked about in our last podcast, which was about apprenticeship. It's kind yeah. of how to do that in this place where yeah. they're starting to pull away. Right. And so we'll talk a little bit about some of the ways that they're starting to do this and then how you can kind of that, but I kind of just want to discuss that with you. So yeah, sounds great. Yeah. So when you're when kids are getting ready to leave the nest, it's most mostly around 15 is usually when they're about to start driving is what the average age of when kids start to like really start to have this pulling away, and they are moving away from parents and family. So maybe they really once loved spending time with you mm-hmm. and spending time around family, and they're pulling away from that. They're moving away from that and towards peer groups. Yeah. And. That can get sticky because it can be a little bit sad for you, 
But that's a place that that's that's something that kind of needs to happen. Yeah. You know, I would say I see this in church. I've seen this in all my years of ministry. What um, it's a recurring theme where they'll hit, and I'm sure you see it at working as the high school director, but about 14, 15, a lot of times they start to want to not go to church with their family. They want to go to church with their friends. Mm-hmm. And the parents are sometimes upset, and the parents will come and say, what are you doing that my kids don't want to be here? You mm-hmm. know, And they're yeah. frustrated and think, okay. And I'm not saying they always blame it on the church, but they just say, okay, why do my kids want to be here, not want to be here? And the reality is a lot of times it's because of this individuation. Yep. They want to be with their friends at church. And I say, hey, they're at church. You know, They may not be here with you, but the fact that they're choosing on their own to go with a friend yeah. and be at church, that's actually, to me, a positive thing. I agree. Because it means they're making a decision to go to church on their own. And I know it's, it's hard as a parent, because obviously you want to go to church as a family and that type of thing. But sometimes that may not be the battle to fight because I'd much rather see them going to church with their friends at another church and that peer group together, you know, um, worshiping and being discipled, as opposed to you trying to force them to come to church with you, and then they're just mad and don't want to go to church. Yep. No, I agree. And that's tough for parents. I mean, individuation is is one of the hardest parts of, I think, parenting, at least from, yeah. a, from a perspective of a of, I haven't been. I'm not a parent yet, but I I was a kid, and that was really tough for for my parents. I was still I was a rule follower, but I still needed to become my own person, develop my own thoughts on things, um, make my faith my own. Yeah. Um, that's all very important for kids to go through, yeah. but it can be very painful because that sometimes takes disagreeing with parents, and parents can give in to fear, give way to fears yeah. like, oh no, they're not believing or the political climate, like this is not the way that our family thinks of this. And they're starting to think, and and I think it's important to, and we'll talk a little bit about two main ways I think to beat individuation or not, not necessarily not have it happen, but yeah. to, how to win it. And um, I think one of the ways that you do that is processing. Always be processing with your kids, mm-hmm. learn how to communicate with them on these things and engage with them on when they have a difference of opinion or when they want to do something different, um, when they're starting to rebel, instead of wanting to um, lash out at them, yeah, you instead engage them yeah, in talking about that. And so well, I think that's a big way to really know, help with that. You know, and I, I'm just developing this theory right now as we're talking. <laughs> but <laughs> Groundbreaking, everybody. Groundbreaking. Take out your pens and notepads. Yeah. But, you know, I think – a lot of times when parents and kids clash during this is because um, they have different rates of, of individuating. Yes. You know what I mean? So you may have a kid that's super independent, and the parents are really holding back and not ready for them to individuate, for them to be independent. And so there's a lot of push-pull with that. Yeah. But also you might have a kid that doesn't want to – individuate, <laughs> that they don't want to be independent, and the parents are trying to push them and say, you need to go do this. This is not my responsibility. And so then there's some push and pull on that. And I think a lot of the tension comes when um, the parents and kids aren't on the same page. I'm not saying there still won't be tension, but it's almost like, and I've, I've just entered this phase, so I don't have a lot of experience, but 
to me, it's almost like maybe riding the tide a little bit in the ocean, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to let your kids. I'm not saying, you know, if they say, I want to independent, be independent and not have a curfew and not come home at night. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm just saying, trying to understand and take cues from them of where they are in the process. Yeah. You know, if they're saying, I really do want to make this decision for myself, then, um, and maybe that goes back to her episode before about apprenticeship. Okay, how do I guide you through that and that sort of thing? But just being aware of where are they in that process. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that kind of goes along with this next like point of how they're moving away, you know, on this journey. Yeah. And um one of that one of those ways is they're moving away from rules, like being able to really understand and obey rules and maybe you need to shift a little bit and into an advisor counsel kind of place. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean, like you were saying, you don't have a curfew or things like that. You still have to have boundaries with your kids. Yeah. But as they are kind of stair-stepping in this adolescence journey, figuring out ways to pull back on some rules, or and, and instead um, they come to kind of being this a little more hands-off. Um, instead of hands-on guidance, you're moving towards hands-off availability. So it's like the apprenticeship thing. It's like mm-hmm. you're... You're having this place where you're not so much saying, well, this is how it is. It's, mm-hmm. okay, you have a little bit more freedom here, but let's let's engage and let's talk about that. Yeah. And so I think that that's a huge way to do that, and that kind of goes back to that processing thing. And I think and maybe wh- some natural consequences. Yes. You know? Right. Yeah, you're, you let them fail forward a bit. Like, you let them fail in a place where they can – where you can afford to let them fail to see, like you have to learn on your own. It's like it's funny because I think back to when I was a teenager and how I um, thought I just knew everything. Especially when I was in college, it's like the college freshman syndrome is yeah. that you come home for Christmas break and you know everything there is to know about life, you know. But it's funny because I'm and now as an adult, I think back to things my mom and dad would say, and I. I feel like I live by that now, but at the time I couldn't hear it from them. Right. It's like I could hear it from everywhere else, but not from them. And it's a it's a pain, but it's a place where you have to kind of let them learn on their own and yeah. and not say, I told you so after. You know, being able to really meet them in that place where they failed and and love them through it and know that that's gonna hopefully help them in their future decisions not to make that same mistake. Well, and I think that's where, you know, we talked about this before, like the sticky faith, you know, really having some other, this is why you need other adults in their life that can say to them, oh, that's a really stupid idea. And it doesn't matter if you're, if you as a parent had said, that's a really bad idea. And they're like, you don't know what you're talking about, whatever. If another adult that they have a strong relationship with says, I don't think that's a good idea. Yep then they can hear that. I mean, I remember I could hear that so much better from other adults yes. that I that cared about me. And that's why I think it's so that's why youth groups are so important and yeah. you know, having Mentors. setting up mentoring relationships for your kids so that they can um, you know, call out your child in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, I love that. We have a, a pediatrician, but she actually just left her practice, which I'm really sad about. But um you know, she would call out my kids on certain things. She'd say, no, your mom says this. She's right. and You need to do this. And, you know, I love that. She was supporting me, and she'd mm-hmm. known them since they were born to be able to say, no, this is really – and they could hear her when they couldn't hear me. Yeah. And I think that that's a big part of this individuation. It's not just hands off. It's saying, I know I need to step back a little bit for you to separate from me, 
but having some people in place that can still speak wisdom into yes, your kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. And then, you know, this just this last thing is just moving away from control and we and we talked about this a lot in the apprenticeship last episode um, and towards influence. Mm. And so as your child as your children get older and this is going to carry into their adulthood, I think. And for me, the some of the sweetest time I feel like I've had with my mom and dad have been in my early to mid-20s, where I am kind of now, and just having this friendship, more of a relationship, um, where I am a, there's so much influence my parents still have on me, mm-hmm. but they're not in control of me anymore, of course, because I'm an adult. And yeah. starting that process as your children get older, just yeah. as they're about to leave for college, when they are gone, you are not going to have any more control over their life to an extent. You know, mm-hmm. there's still going to be some with, yeah. you know, finances and things like that, but you're not going to know where they are at all times of the day and night, and they're going to be making their own decisions. And so how are we setting them up for success for that? And learning to, if you're trying to control too much, they'll pull away and you won't have that opportunity for influence later. And so starting to move in that towards that, that place where you're just allowing them more decision-making room um, and, and engaging them on some of the decisions they're making. Well, and I think you brought up a good point. You know, we've talked about before, which is an upcoming episode, about parenting for the teenagers and the preschool years. In the same way, I think you parent for your adult children in the teenage years. Yes. Because if you do some, um, you can do some damage Mm -hmm. with the way you parent in the teenage years that affects your adult, your relationship with them as an adult child. Yes. And so I think sometimes as parents, especially during the teenage years, we're just like, oh, I have to just get through this and get them out the door. But in reality, I think in those teenage years, you're laying a foundation for your lifelong relationship with your kids. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's, we just gave you a lot of information, just a, a lot of talking about individuating and and how this can be very overwhelming for parents. And so I, I think it's important. I want to give parents a practical place to start. And yeah, it, this can idea. be, no matter where your kids are, I would say probably starting it the younger, the better. And uh, this mm-hmm. kind of goes really hand in hand with that apprenticeship idea, yeah. but it can be anything. I think it's so important to lay down a foundational connecting point for you and your child. And what I mean by that is find something that you can do together with that child that's special that you can continue to connect on and connect by with them as they get older. Yeah. And so, you know, for for me and my dad, we just we love breakfast. We've all I've always been a breakfast girl. I love pancakes, waffles, <laughs> you name it. If I can cover it in syrup, I love it. But I learned that from, you know, my dad and he taught me how to put like peanut butter on my pancakes. And so yeah. we have this very odd connecting point of breakfast. And so I love getting breakfast with my dad or I like when I get to visit and go home, he always makes breakfast and we eat and it's a nice place. My dad doesn't talk a whole lot, but we have this place that we can connect. And so, you know, it could be bike riding. Maybe you are outdoorsy and you like to bike ride or hike. Um, Horseback riding. That's what my mom and my brother like to do together. And so those are just things that I think when you have that, no matter how old your kids are, it creates this place of safety for you to to process with them and talk with them and connect with them, um, even in those hard 
years where they're individuating. Yeah, I think, I think that. that's a great idea. You know, my husband and my daughter like to cook together. Yeah. And so I th- hope that that'll be, um, you know, a good connecting point for them for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and they like to play soccer together and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, um, and maybe that's part of it is you have maybe two or three things that yeah. you can connect. So because as they grow up, they might be like, I'm so over cooking. Well, like, you, don't you guys like to get your nails done together? Oh, yes. My daughter and, and I so like to get our nails well, done together. she'll for sure love to do that forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. And that's our special thing. We're like, let's go get our nails done. Um, yeah. And so I think that there's, um, you know, my son and I like to – Listen to 80s and 90s music together. Yeah, that's your bonding. Your <laughs> that's our bonding. Point. We bond over that. But just something like that. When and when kind of everything is tense, if you still have that, you still have a connecting point. Absolutely. And, and I think that's really important to try to find those things, like just two or three things that really um, you can hold on to and can be a source of connection. I think that's a great idea. Absolutely. Well, that's all I have. So. So good, this is good, good, good talk, stuff. Yeah, good, good ideas. Hopefully, so remember to always, you know, always be processing with your kids, talking with them, and that will create a good space for you as they get into these hard years of individuating, and then also finding that foundational connecting point or points, having a few things you really like to do together, you enjoy each other's company, just learning to. Enjoy each other's company. That's yeah. huge. All right. Well, thank you, Rachel, for all your all of your sage wisdom. Yeah, parenting. thank you too. <laughs> all right. We'll see you uh, later on for another episode of Kids These Days. See you later. Whoa.